Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of John. We have not dealt with every verse in the Gospel of John. Maybe someday we'll do that. We're hitting some highlights through the Gospel of John. And of course, there's probably not a more famous passage in John than these first few verses of John 15. Let's look at it. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit so that ye may be my disciples. Lord, please help us to get a good understanding of this passage today. Lord, help us to be uh, instructed in your word and help us to be encouraged by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what this passage is teaching very clearly is that, verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and then he's going to purge every other branch. So here's the idea. If you don't produce fruit, Jesus Christ is going to kill you. And if you keep not producing fruit, you're going to go to hell. Don't you argue with me in church. (laughs) How many of you ever heard something like that preached from this text? So here's my first point. False teaching on the true vine. False teaching about the true vine. The first type of false teaching from this text is that failure to produce fruit results in a loss of salvation. The only problem is that contradicts every other verse in the Bible about salvation. And and yet people get really confused about this. And here's what happens. You're You're doing your own Bible study. You're reading through the Gospel of John. And you get to that and you're thinking, oh, no. How many of you ever gotten to a passage like this and you kind of check up a little bit? What if I'm wrong? Well, you're not wrong about this. If you believe that salvation is eternal, you're right. If you believe that you can lose your salvation because you don't produce fruit, you're wrong. Now, so a couple of things. Number one, you do not produce fruit. You do not produce fruit. How many of you have ever planted some kind of a fruit tree or whatever? Okay, did you grow the fruit? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you created the soil. You put the nutrients in the soil. You created the seed. You created the little bumblebee that comes by and pollinates the little flower that you put on the end of the branch. How many of you realize you do not grow fruit? Right? You do not produce fruit. God produces fruit. Amen? And what is the fruit of the Spirit? What what fruit does the Spirit produce? Put a marker here in John chapter 15 and go with me to Galatians chapter 5. 
What is so funny about this, to me, or tragic, however you want to look at it, is this is so easy, and it's so clear, and these passages are so familiar, and yet there's so much confusion in Christianity. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? Does that mean that if you do some of these things, you can't go to heaven? How many of you ever heard it taught that if you do these things, you can't go to heaven? How many of you ever heard somebody say that? Somebody will say a Christian would never do that. Well, anyone who says that there is something that a Christian wouldn't do simply does not understand the flesh. Because in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Is that what the Bible says? Right. So I am capable of committing any sin that anyone else is. And, you know, I get that. A preacher shouldn't act that way. Well, that's true. That's true. The only problem is preachers are people. Right? I got the same problems you all have. I don't have any more access to God than you do. I don't have any more intrinsic holiness than you do. I'm just a guy. Now, I will tell you this, a preacher ought to be held to a higher standard. you all agree with that? And I think preachers ought to behave and hold, be held to a higher standard. I, I just think that that's right. I wish that I could live up to that standard. You know, but we're, we're just people. And so this idea that Christians are just in their flesh are somehow perfect and right and just and do everything perfectly, that's, that's a very immature, improper understanding of Christianity. What this passage is saying is, because I am in Christ... I have a new nature, and that new nature, the Christ nature, is completely sinless and it's completely perfect. So I get to go to heaven even though seditions and heresies and envyings, whatever that, that might be a part of me, I still get to go to heaven because I go to heaven not based on my righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that a blessing? Um, you know, whatever sin you struggle with, and all of us struggle with sin because we're people. No, you don't go to hell because of envy. A person goes to hell because they're not born again. They refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that all of us have a certain amount of envy. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to confess that to the Lord. We try to walk in the Spirit to keep ourselves from living in an envious way. So the Bible's very clear on that. So what is the passage teaching? Well, the, the flesh, what is in us, is all of these things, and none of those things inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Isn't that a blessing? It's not going to be there. But they, do are, they are there now. But look at what the Holy Spirit preaches, uh, preaches produces. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So let me ask you this. Do you produce love, joy, peace? Do you produce that? No. No. Have you ever had somebody tell you you're mad? Don't be so mad. That helps, doesn't it? 
right? No, you can't produce joy. You can't. The Holy Spirit produces that. You don't produce fruit. God produces fruit. Isn't that right? It's very. Did y'all get that? Are you, are you with me? You don't produce fruit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. I listened to James Knox on this text, and he was talking about what happens in a Christian's life. You get saved, and you want to start living for the Lord, and you start behaving right. You learn how to behave, and you really are doing those things because you want to live like a Christian. And then all of a sudden, you find, well, people aren't being saved through my witnessing the way that I think they ought to be saved. My family isn't... Um, prospering the way I think that my family ought to prosper. And then you get to a crisis of faith and you wonder, is any of this real? Is any of this real? And then sometimes it becomes hard to walk the way that you're supposed to walk. That's when you realize the importance of abiding in Christ. When you abide in Christ, you realize that it is Christ that produces the fruit and that's all on Him. I don't produce fruit. I do the labor. How many of you have ever known a farmer who planted a crop and it didn't come up as he thought it was going to? How many of you have ever known that to happen? It, it happens. It happens. And what does the farmer do? Make it through the winter and plant another crop because he has absolutely no control over it. Absolutely no control over it. We need to recognize that the results are up to God. The results are up to God. We abide in Christ. And this is the fruit that is produced. The fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith. That whole list. Okay, so now, this is really important. How many of you have ever heard this? You can't tell, you can't judge whether or not a person is saved but you can be a fruit inspector. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? Well, that's great. It's just not in the Bible. It's amazing how much bumper sticker religion goes around that has no basis in Scripture. You won't find anywhere in the Bible that if I lead Nick to Christ that I have produced fruit. That's not in the Bible. That's in someone's book on soul winning. And soul winning is not in the New Testament anywhere. The word soul winning is Old Testament. Awesome. I don't have to tell people about Jesus. That's not what I said. What I'm telling you is it's not soul winning. When you tell somebody about Jesus, that's evangelism. That's being obedient to Jesus Christ. We are supposed to do that. But do you save people? Who saves people? Jesus. So who produces the fruit? Jesus Christ. And the, all of this, this thinking, people get so messed up on it. People just, and, and then what happens is you feel like, well, I'm, a, I'm just a terrible Christian. I'm just, I can't. That's why false teaching on the text really hurts. So let's, let's get an understanding of this real quickly. I'm hoping not to preach very long today. All right. Um, look at this with me. Go back to John 15. Verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. False teaching, number one, that you can lose your salvation. Let's get the right teaching. Look at John 3.16. How many of you think that's a good place to start? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever produces fruit should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that what it says? No, you believe in Him. You believe in Him. And so what is the basis of salvation? Belief in Jesus Christ. Is belief in Jesus Christ. Look at John 3.36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, that's bad. You don't want the wrath of God to abide on you, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, everlasting life. Now, does everlasting, does that sound like until you stop producing fruit? No, no. Look at John 4. John 4, Jesus Christ with the woman at the well. Look at verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Look at John 6 verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Look at John chapter 17. John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So, believing in Jesus Christ, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? It means to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that He's the Savior, you're a sinner, He died on the cross because you needed to be saved. And if you receive the free gift of eternal life that He gives you, then you have eternal life. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you produce fruit. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? Now, i got to tell you, people who have come from... Um, a certain background are very uncomfortable with a sermon like this. Very uncomfortable with it. Because they think, here's the thinking, if I teach what this Bible, re what, what this passage really teaches, people will stop giving the gospel. So somehow, telling what the Bible really says is going to keep somebody from giving the gospel? As if, if you don't give the gospel, you're going to go to hell? No! I'll tell you this, if you don't give the gospel to someone, they might go to hell. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. We don't have to lie about the Bible or teach something falsely to guilt people into living a certain way. That's not what the passage is teaching. The, teach, the clear teaching of the gospel of John, as well as the rest of the New Testament, is that when you are saved, that is forever. How many of you are thankful for that? Man, I am so glad that my salvation is not based on what I do. That my salvation is not based on what I produce. That is, that's blasphemous 
and it's heresy. My salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Can I give you a little caveat right here, though? Just a caveat. If you're saved, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, the Holy Spirit of God will be prompting you to live for Him and convicting you when you don't. Have you ever, there's this voice, you know, and somebody says, is it an audible voice? Are you hearing things? No, but you, you meet somebody and there's something in you that says, I need to tell this person about Jesus. Has that ever happened to you? Right? And how many of you, will you be honest with me, you got that voice and then you didn't tell? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have done that? How did that feel afterwards? Bummer. Right? Well, that's the Holy Spirit of God in you. God wants you to do these things. If you never have any of those impulses, if that never comes, you need to really pray about whether or not you're born again. Because the Bible says that the Spirit, His Spirit, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So if, the whole, if you have no interaction with the Holy Spirit in your life, ministering to your spirit, you need to question whether or not you are born again. That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you are born again, that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Right? Sometimes if you just said a prayer when you're a child and there was no real understanding, you might have knowledge of Jesus Christ and not be born again. Make sure that you're saved. Hear me well. Hear me well here. A child can be saved. Many of you were, were born again as children. I'm not saying if you were born again as a child to doubt your salvation. That's not what I said. What I am saying is a prayer has never saved anyone. It's heartfelt belief in Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen? All right, so here's the thing. False teaching number one from this text is that if you don't produce fruit, then you're going to be cut off of the vine and you're going to be cast into the fire. All right, then false teaching number two from this text. Look at verse 7. So back in John 15, look at verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. So here's the false teaching from this text. All right? That producing fruit, that is producing and giving to a ministry, gives me carte blanche with God. So God gives me ability and I earn money. And what God does is He gives me the ability to earn a lot of money that I can give to... X ministry. And if I do that, then now God is required to give me whatever I ask. It's otherwise known as name it and claim it. Name it and, you name what you want from God and He is required to give it to you. Man, that's just blasphemy. Anything that I get from God is grace. What does God owe me? Hell. Right? We gotta be careful. I know our first thought is God doesn't owe me anything, and, and that is true to a certain extent. But based on righteousness, He owes me hell. By His mercy and grace, I get heaven and every good and perfect gift that comes down from above from the Father of lights. 
It's so important. So the false teaching on this is that if I am producing, then God will answer every prayer. Uh, I mentioned maybe the last couple of weeks, it's been on my mind, when our son Riley was born and he was so sick, he had trisomy 13, that is, he had an extra 13th chromosome. So every cell in his body was sick. And I had a lady who, a friend, a buddy of mine, his wife, her mom, name it and claim it, okay? And she said this, if your faith is strong enough, God will heal him. Now, I'm thankful that at that point in my life, I knew the biblical teaching. But imagine what happens to people who don't know the biblical teaching. So when Riley died, the reason that he died, listen, if I didn't know what the Bible said, if I'd listened to her, the reason Riley died is because my faith wasn't strong enough. That's not true, folks. That is not true. How many of you know that we do not serve? We do not serve a vindictive God. God's not walking around looking for who He can hurt. The Bible says the seven, the seven eyes of God, the seven spirits of God, that's just the perfect Holy Spirit. He, he goes to and fro in the earth looking for someone to bless. That's what, God doesn't go around looking for people to judge. You're already under judgment because you're a sinner. He's looking for someone to bless. That's the teaching of the Bible. That's the teaching of Scripture. It's very important that we get this. Look at James 4.3. Here's the truth about it. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. I think it's hilarious that people pray that their sports team is going to win. Okay? So you've got a Dallas Cowboy fan who serves God, and you've got a Cleveland Browns fan who serves God, and they're both praying that God will help their team win. We know it's going to be the Cowboys because they're God's team, right? It is ridiculous. How many of you think God cares a stinking little bit about a football game. Do you think maybe that might be consuming it on your lusts? Now, I'm not saying God's against football. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, have you ever prayed for something completely frivolous? A particular car, um, whatever. How many of you have ever done something like that? You've prayed for something frivolous. Sometimes, based on God's grace, He gives it to you. Most of the time, He says what you say to your kids. Nah, you don't need that. Jacob, every once in a while, Dad, buy me a Lamborghini. He does. I, I promise you, he says it. And I always say, get the money from Grandpa. Grandpa ain't giving no money, I promise you that. It, how many of you think Jacob needs a, a, a Lamborghini? <laughs> You're messing up my illustration really bad. Isn't it interesting? And how many of you ever prayed? Seriously, you've prayed for something that... And you even pray it. I have. Lord, I know this is completely frivolous. Will you do this? And it happens. Have you ever had that? Praise God. What is that? That's simply grace. 
It is simply grace. Is God required to do anything for me? No, God is not required to answer the prayers. The, the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you if, so if you have, this is very, again, let's make sure that we get the teaching right. You have iniquity in your heart. So don't think you have to be sinless in the flesh for God to answer your prayer. No, if you look at your sin with approval, if you know that you have unconfessed sin in your life, the Bible says God's not going to answer your prayer. Um, those who remain in sin, John 9.31. Those who reject God's call, Proverbs 1. Those who have no faith, James 1, 6 and 7. Those who are proud of heart, James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5. Those who are self-righteous, Luke 18, 11 through 14. There are lots of reasons why God will not answer your prayer. The Bible says it. So if you just think that by giving and giving and giving, or if you produce enough and you give that God is required to answer your prayer, that is a completely false teaching. And you need to understand there's an entire segment of Christianity that teaches that. It's all about the flesh. It's all about the flesh. False teaching about the truth. Well, first false teaching is that you'll lose your salvation. Second false teaching is that God's required to give you anything. So let, let's do the true teaching about the true vine. Let's look at what it's really teaching. Okay, back to John 15. How many of you have, look at verse 1, have you heard it this way? I am the vine and you are the branches. Have you heard it that way? Is that what it says? What does it say? I am the true vine. So if there is a true vine, what does that tell us? There are false vines. And there are many false vines that you can attach yourself to, to which you may be attached. There are false, <laughs> there are false vines that you can be attached to. But there's a true vine. The true vine is Jesus Christ. All right? So th th there's a qualifier here. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. This is really important. How would the disciples have understood this text? And again, this is one of the huge problems with Bible teaching. People take this passage and lift it out of the Bible and teach the stuff that I was just talking about. How would they have understood? Let's try to figure this out. Look at Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. The men that Jesus was talking to, were they Muslim? Were they Baptist? Were they Hindu? What were they? They were Jewish. Isaiah chapter 5. So Jesus Christ is talking about the vine. Look at verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out stones thereof and planted it with the choicest, what's it say, vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And so that's it was supposed to produce one kind of fruit, produced a different kind of fruit. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, 
brought it forth wild grapes. Now, go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plan. So how would they have understood this? What is the vine? The vine is Israel. And there would have been no confusion to the disciples. They understood this. It was talking about Israel. Go with me to Psalm chapter 80, the 80th Psalm. Look at verse 8. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her boughs unto the sea and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? Why did it happen? Because it was producing bad fruit or barren, no fruit. There are other passages that talk about this. It said, it, it, Hosea chapter 10, Israel is an empty vine. Jeremiah 2.21, Judges 19.13, Psalm 104.15, all present God as the husbandman and Israel as the vine with no good fruit. All right, so go back to John 15. True teaching about the true vine. So let's read the text again. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. All right, so Israel... God's elect didn't do what they were supposed to do. So God sent the true vine, Jesus Christ. All right? I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, and the father in all of the context is always the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Remember, Israel is the vine. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken you. Are they clean through producing fruit? Let me ask it again. There's two of you that are with me. Are they clean by producing fruit? What are they clean by? The word. The word. Look what the Bible says. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me. So what is this talking about? What is this talking about? There was a vine. There was a false vine, Israel. There was a true vine, Jesus Christ. Very soon, remember, this is the last week of Jesus Christ, the last few hours of Jesus Christ's life on this earth. He's telling them, pretty soon you're going to have to decide, are you going to go on with me, abide in me, or are you going to go back to Israel? Are you going to go back into Judaism or are you going to continue on with me? 
Jesus said, If you continue in my words, then are ye my disciples indeed. John chapter 8. So they have to choose. Are you going to go back to the old vine, which is not going to produce fruit? Or are you going to stay with me, abide with me, so that you can produce fruit? There's something you have to understand. Vital. These men were not born again. They were Jews in a Jewish religion that had failed. They were going to be born again when they believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They did not yet believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had to abide in Him. And what was going to happen if they abide in Him? They were going to produce fruit. What was the fruit that was going to abide? Verse 8, the fruit that would remain. What was it going to be? Churches. It was going to be Christianity. Christianity was going to grow out of Jesus Christ. That's what the entire book of Hebrews is about. Don't go back to Judaism. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the Levitical priesthood. Jesus is better than the law. Continue on in faith. Go on to victory. Don't go back to Judaism. That's what it's about. And this again reveals a problem with modern Christianity. Everybody wants to have a Passover Seder at church. Everybody wants to celebrate Jewish feasts. Everybody wants to have all this Judaism. Now, let me be very clear here. Hear me well. We're not anti-Semitic. We love the Jews. Amen? We love the Jews. But that religion produced barren or wild grapes. It produced not good fruit. What is going to produce the right kind? Jesus Christ will through the church. Abide in Him. Now, okay, Pastor, are you saying I've got to stay in the church to be saved? No, it's not talking about salvation. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about, look, I, God had planted Israel to tell the world and bring the world to the one true God. Did they do it? No. So what did God do? Jesus Christ Himself came as the true vine, and He established the church. And it is our job to tell the world about Him. He's the true vine. He's the true vine. Now, we have a choice, or they had a choice. Continue in His words and disciples indeed, or go back. This has to be our starting point in the text. So what is this passage talking about? Is this talking about us abiding in Christ? No. It's not. It's not. You ready for this? You don't have to abide in Christ. If you're saved, you're in Him. And so you're abiding whether you want to or not. Now the choice is how are you going to walk? Do you see the difference? It's completely different. I am in Him. So how am I supposed to walk? I'm supposed to walk like I'm in Him. I'm supposed to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If I fulfill the lusts of the flesh, what's that going to bring me? It's going to bring me death. If I, as a believer, live like an unsaved person, get into behavior that is destructive, what's going to happen? I will be destroyed and my spirit will go to heaven. And eventually I'll get a new body and a new spirit. I mean, I'll get a new body and uh, here's the problem. At the judgment seat of Christ, 
when it comes time for me to receive rewards, I won't receive rewards. I won't receive rewards. Now, right now, that might not seem like much. It's going to seem like a lot. That's why there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be so sad because you're going to see the one true God. Your sin has been removed, and you're going to see the one that you should have lived for. And when you really see Him, you're going to want to have a gift for Him. And there won't be anything because you've lost your rewards because you didn't live for Him. That has nothing to do with fruit. It has nothing to do with fruit. That has to do with your walk. Do you see the difference? Jesus Christ produces fruit. Jesus produces it. We don't produce it. We just obey Him. We obey Him. We walk in Him. We do what we are supposed to do through the power of the Holy Spirit out of love for Him, not out of some kind of obligation or duty or fear. That's not what we do. We love Him, and we walk as we ought to walk. And you know what God does? He changes people's lives. Changes people's lives. You know, I think of Brother Farrier. Brother, Brother Tom, how old were you when you got saved? 35. Brother Farrier was 35 years old when he got saved. How many of you didn't know that? See, a lot of people might think because he's a preacher and his family are believers that, well, he grew up in church. No, he got saved when he was 35. And he started walking a certain way, and that walk influenced other people. And what did God do? God gave fruit. That's the idea. What a blessing it is. So what is the true teaching about the true vine? The, the false vine, Israel, didn't produce. It didn't produce. It didn't do what God had ordained it to do. God, and in the passage, God says, what else could I have done for you? What else could I have? Nothing. He did everything. They just didn't produce. So Jesus Christ comes. And Jesus Christ, of course, the true vine will produce fruit. The true vine will produce fruit. He told the disciples, abide in Him. What do we do? What do we do? We walk in Him. We walk in Him. So here's my question to you. Just two questions. Number one, are you holding on to false teaching? Is that false teaching influence influencing your peace, your joy, the way that God uses you? Have you imbibed false teaching? You're worried about losing your salvation. You're guilty about whether or not you're producing. Or you're asking God for things He doesn't give Him and you're bitter about it because you think He's required. Are you, are you harboring false teaching, number one? Here's number two. Are you walking in Christ? Are you walking in... How's your walk? The Bible says this. You say you believe in Him, then walk even as He walked. How's your walk? How's your faith? How's your walk? Let's walk in Him. Amen? Let's walk in Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word.